Hi everyone and welcome to Jerry Talks. This is the first episode or first podcast or first series. I'm so happy to be able to uh, bring this podcast to life uh, and I'm so happy to have Shem and Sammy with me uh, as the first guest. What we wanted to do today is really set the scene for the kind of podcast that we want to have, what we want to impart and really talk about a bit about the partnership. Me and Shem just joining, having joined KT Advocate and having a discussion with Sammy and Shem about the future of of uh, the legal profession, given the fact that we have gone undergone nine months of COVID now um, and we're going into 2021. So I just want to introduce um, Sammy and Shem. Sammy and Shem are both friends of mine, not only friends, but now partners. Um, it's very exciting to be able to say that. Sammy is uh, very well regarded and you know ranked in legal 500 chambers as a um, corporate lawyer. One of the comments that I saw online is that he's said to be very calm and that is very true. If you meet him in person, he wouldn't know the excitement that bubbles under. Uh, Shem is a friend of mine. We worked together as senior associates and now we're partners at uh, KIT Advocate. Um, Shem has uh, a rapping as well as a legal background. I wanted to start with three quick fire questions for Sami and Shem. So let's start with Sami. Sami, I mean, obviously you're very well regarded in the legal profession. How did you know that you wanted to be a lawyer? Yeah, thank you, Jerry. That was very kind of you. Um, I actually did not know that I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, in fact, I thought oh, I, I dreamt of being a doctor. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so that was my initial tension. And then I actually did a year of pharmacy school. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, but after a year of, of pharmacy, pharmacy school, I, I realized that I did not like it at all. Uh, and maybe uh, looking at cadavers was not uh, really my thing. Pharmacy is so different from law, um, even in the, in the way the execution of the, of the work. How did mm-hmm. you transition then? I think it was more of looking for the next best thing. And um, the people I looked up to suggested that people who are going to be somebody were either <laughs> going to be doctors or lawyers. So <laughs> and I guess that turned out to be correct for you. Yes, it turned out to be correct. Um, and also it ended up to be something that I really enjoy doing uh, because I think I'm a, I, I, I enjoy solving problems, uh, listening to people and uh, helping them find solutions for uh, whatever it is that may be uh, bothering them or challenging them. So I find that, you know, as a lawyer, those are important traits and, and that I've come out to be quite useful for me uh, and that I've made it more of a natural profession for me in as much as I had no preconceived intention of getting into the into 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 the legal profession I mean I think that's that's very that's very special and it just shows that you don't have to choose one area and then you know stick to that um sometimes it's, it comes naturally to someone and you realize what you were good at and what what where you can be of, of, of service um Shem let's go to your quick fire question um, right. you, you specialize in IP. Why IP law? Uh, I started out my career at um, HHM. That's where I met Sammy. Um, I was in the corporate and commercial team. I was in the corporate and commercial team. And uh, um, I mean, there were opportunities that arose when certain lawyers left who had um, IP expertise. And it was really just as simple as that. I mean, they looked around and you know, asked who had an interest, and I, and I was happy to, to sort of step in. I had worked with some of the lawyers who had left, and um, when, I sort of took, when I sort of took it up, it was like a duck to water. So they were like, okay, fine, you seem to be getting the hang of this pretty quickly. Why don't you run with it? And so the opportunity just arose, and, and, I, and I seized it, and I discovered that, you know, it was something I really enjoyed doing, and I was really good at, um, or so I was told. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I built confidence over the years, and uh, really just that it's, that's how it happened. Um, Sometimes it's natural ability. 
opportunity combined with just the opportunities that you're given, right? Right, right. That's, that's, that was the case for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Sami, what has been the most exciting moment in your career? Knowing you and knowing that, you know, you don't really show a lot of emotion. I, I, I only spot it sometimes when your eyes flicker. Tell us what has been the most exciting <laughs> moment. Yeah, no, I'd like to think I'm, I would like to think I'm an open book, but I mean, I haven't thought of that question before because I think I just live day by day. And um, I do my best each moment of the day. But I think there have been pretty special things that have happened in the past um, throughout my career. It might be difficult to say which one in particular. Maybe the one that was the most uh, risky was leaving the comfort of a good job um, as a partner in a, in a good firm and, um, and starting out, you know, a new law firm in a period of a lot of uncertainty because we started out during an election period and all indications were, were that it may not be the appropriate time to start. But I think there's no right time to start if you're looking to do something that you, you feel that you love to do. Um, so I think maybe starting that out and seeing it grow to where we've reached now, I would say is maybe the most exciting thing simply yeah. because it's the most challenging. Yeah, I would say that, you know, even for me having joined um, a month ago, Getting your first client, especially in the COVID period, has been right. extremely exciting. <laughs> and I know Shai, you feel the same way. True, true, I mean, true. it has been excitement levels on, an, you know, just to be able to secure a client and, and mm-hmm. say that you're doing it on your own has been very exciting. So I can I can understand that feeling. Shem, let's go to you now. And you're rapping, your prolific rapping skills. Are you going to rap for us on this podcast? Unlikely. It's unlikely. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm prolific. We but... could persuade you. But you're nominated for um, Best Hip Hop rap song at the Verse Awards. What, why rap and how did you get into it? Well, my faith is a big part of my, my, my life and just after high school, many, many years ago, um, <laughs> being in, in church and I came from a church that has a very heavy musical background. Um, so there's lots of bands that were playing. There's lots of young people who were showing interest in music. There were studios that were being set up all over. Small makeshift studios, people's homes for, for the most part. And, you know, my, my circle of friends were interested in music and, and that's how it began. So, I mean, I sang in choirs, then, you know, transitioned to more contemporary forms of music. And that was even before the law began. So before I, I joined uni- university. So it sort of just lingered um, in the background as something that I enjoy to do. And it's, it's sort of just been there. Um, hasn't been, I haven't been so active the past few years. I mean, work has really become very, very busy. But, you know, every time I get the opportunity, do link up with a few people and work on a project or two. My hope ultimately is to set up. I was, I was telling Clarice the other day. Um, Clarice is our other partner. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, um, you know, set up a music label and deal with the business side of music and and at the same time, you know, offer that legal advice that um, I would have the expertise of, uh, from an IP angle. Okay. So, just on the final quick fire question, Sammy, if you could give a young Sammy one piece of advice, what would you tell him? A younger me. A younger you, yeah. I think I think I would say that maybe to not focus so much on um, I guess yeah I, I think not to not forget personal development there's some things you need to do to make sure you develop as a person sometimes you find the work can get ahead of you such that you forget what is important for yourself so I think it's important to find that balance yeah, I think I think it's something all of us are always um, struggling with, mm. especially when you're going for something and you're focusing and you're trying to make sure that you reach a goal. It's very difficult to have that work personal balance, but I would agree yeah. with you on that. I think I think that would be the main thing, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps also ensuring that you you work on relationships, relationships within the place you know where you're working, 
uh, because I think those relationships are what provide you with a firm base upon which to grow in your in your career in your profession. So I think that those would, those would be the maybe the the two main things I would say. But I, I think Sammy that you know from everything that I've had and you know all of the well wishes that we've received since joining the partnership. I can honestly say everyone has had su- such nice things to say about you. Uh, and about all of the other partners that we've joined, that I think you've succeeded in that regard. So I don't think you should be too worried. <laughs> I don't think you should be too worried. Um, Shem, um, you've been a partner for a month. We've both been partners for a month. I was going to say that you've made partner um, before the the age of 40. What does that mean for you? And how do you feel? What What are the emotions that come to you about your first month uh, being a partner? Um, it's exciting. There's a challenge to it, of course. A whole lot more responsibility on my end. But what's life without a challenge, right? I believe we have what it takes to rise to the occasion, you know, to secure the work, to deliver quality. We'll do um, it. With excellence and, you know, to grow, to grow the brand. Um, and there's no other, no other way, there's no other um, way to go about it than that, um, in my view. So um, that's been good. Looking what's for, been the best part? Well, the autonomy, I keep saying it for me, um, I like the fact that, you know, I can make my own decisions, I can consult, but ultimately um, the, the approach, you know, that I take um, towards what I do really rests with me, right? The decision on that rests with me. So I found that to be very liberating, I found that to be a very exciting part of, of this journey. I'm looking forward to the coming days. Let's get into um, the, the, the meat of the podcast now. And we wanted to really set the scene about KRT and, you know, what we're all about. So I think, Sammy, you're the best person to answer this for us. What is um, the KRT's ethos and how do we differentiate ourselves from um, other law firms in the market? Yeah, so for KRT, the ethos is um, we use an acronym, a PIE, P-I-E, uh, which simply means our ethos is based on personal service excellence and integrity and i think on those three pillars uh, anchors everything that we do and um, i think if we're able to perform our our um, and provide our service based on those three pillars straight away it differentiates us from the rest of the market um, because those are fundamental aspects of a good a good practice uh, and you find that uh, many farms have one or two of them but we are uh, aiming to achieve all three. All three. Pers- personal service, integrity, and excellence. So Correct. Correct. And on day one, when you started um, the practice, what did you expect to achieve? Is it, was it all about that pie, um, you know, ethos? Or was it uh, was it something different? Have, have things changed over time? No, they haven't changed. Um, I think when we set out, uh, we set up the farm. Um, I think... The first intention was to have a place that is um, nice to work in. Uh, not just nice looking, but pleasant, yeah. where you can enjoy spending your day uh, working. Uh, and I think we've achieved that culture uh, so that it's it's a friendly place to work. Friendly, happy, but still very serious mm. about what we do. I think people would be surprised um, to find that we, we, work, we sit together. We all sit together. That's correct. And we all talk together. Mm. And we laugh together. A lot of laughter has happened in the last month, which, uh, <laughs> which is a far cry from having your own office in a very big building. Uh, and for me, that has been really enjoyable. What is the hardest part of running your own practice? Yeah, I think setting up the infrastructure so that things run um, almost uh, seamlessly, especially back office uh, sort of systems. Um, I think that will be the first. And maybe a, a close second is 
finding the, the, the right kind of support, recruiting the right kind of people and ensuring that they, they understand and buy into your vision and into your, you know, the, the firm's ethos. Into the pie. Exactly. They need, <laughs> yeah. to eat, they need to eat pie. They need to eat pie, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think that that is difficult. And also, even coming into a partnership, we're coming into, me and Shem are coming into something that's already established. And I think that the, the fact that we're already friends t- is steering us in good stead because we already have that uh, natural respect for each other. So I think that's been helpful. Shem, do you have anything to say on that? No, I mean, I totally agree. Uh, I think the ethos is, is, is the foundation um, for any successful enterprise or venture. Um, and if you get that right, half the work is done. Yeah. yeah. Um, it helps build that collegiate atmosphere. It helps, you know, gives you a true north, so to speak, your your your, your guiding light on the direction in which all your 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 initiatives, all your ventures, you know, um, should be you know, heading be, towards. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I did totally agree, and I think it's a it's a very sound one. Yeah. yeah. And for for you, Sami, I guess what what has the ability to bring in. Um, new partners, me and Shem, meant for you in terms of what you expect for the firm and you know the future of the firm. I think many things, but perhaps I could say the main thing is it. It sort of demonstrates that we've moved beyond the founder phase of growth, and now we are um, you know a solid, um, I, I dare say, well-established boutique law firm. Yeah. And um, and having you and Shem on board, I think just strengthens and gives us that depth of bench. Um, and also sets us up to be able to uh, attract uh, more more interesting and varied work, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a good thing about um, a young practice. Also, when we we are all relatively young, we're all you know under forty, and therefore we are looking toward developing our futures. And I think that's something that is important for us. I wanted to ask a bit about being an entrepreneur, Sami and and Shem. I think, you know, for you, Shem, one of the words I've heard you say the most, and you've already said it today, is autonomy and the ability to decide your own future. Um, And being an entrepreneur is all about taking those risks. I am naturally a very, very risk-averse person. And in fact, this is probably the most risky venture I've ever um, undertaken. But (laughs) under your wings, I'm I'm happy to say that I'm I'm, I'm flourishing. what is did you expect that level of entrepreneurship and are you prepared for what it entails Shem? i don't think anyone is ever 100 percent prepared for this sort of thing but i think you know once you've gotten to a certain level of preparedness in your own mind that is sufficient for you to sort of venture out and, and begin and and you mentioned autonomy and i think autonomy is a, is a key part of that it was part of the appeal for me because my understanding of, of job of, of job satisfaction is that it entails Three things. Autonomy is one of them. The correlation between your effort and your reward is another. And, uh, you know, um, the third slips my mind. <laughs> yeah, the third slips my mind. But autonomy is, is, is a key part of job satisfaction for me. Um, complexity of the task is the third. I need to come back to me. So if you have those three, three elements in good balance, you tend to find job satisfaction. Of course, at different levels of employment or your career, you you would have those three elements to varying degrees. For example, a first-year associate might not necessarily have that much autonomy, but if they have a correlation between their effort and reward and they have a certain degree of complexity, they are likely to remain engaged. So for me, I've gone to the point in my career where I had enough complexity and there was some, you know, correlation, a reasonable degree of correlation between effort and reward, but the autonomy was 
was just lacking. And for me, that drove me yeah. to the point of, you know, considering entrepreneurship. And yeah. it happened at the point where I decided to overcome fear. You know what I mean? Fear inhibits us. It keeps us from maximizing and tapping into our true yeah. potential. So I, I got into a phase of my life where I decided I would not make any decisions based on fear going forward. Like you, a very risk-averse person. I guess my desire for this new phase of my life and I think that that's great. Talking about entrepreneurship, Sami, did you expect that the level of entrepreneurship that uh, setting up your own practice would require? And are we entrepreneurs in the same way as startups are? Do we do we operate the same way? Do we think the same way? What risks are there for us that there aren't for um you know I guess PE or you know startup type um companies? I I think for us it's it's different simply because in the service industry where we operate as a law firm it's very personal. So simply because the law firm has a new name does not mean that it's necessarily a startup. And I say this because we have more than 50 years combined experience as partners. Oh, wow, I have never thought of that. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a new, you know, we've hung out the shingle. It's a new firm. But in reality, we've been working for, for, for more than a decade. And and therefore, I would say it's not it's not it's quite different from just starting out something novel uh, as as some startups uh, want to do. Um, and I think maybe that makes the difference. And that's why perhaps our trajectory has been quite different because we've been working for a long time um, and we've just set it out in a new setup. Yeah, so people hire people, not um, jobs, correct? Yeah, exactly. So the relationship that you yeah. have is the one that is mm. uh, is key. And I think that has has really stared us in good stead, even um, as we begin our careers and as, as partners. And I think Shem and I both will, will attest to that. So now that we've established our practice, we are here, we have personal relationships, we have pie, we've eaten pie, we are friends, <laughs> we are friends <laughs> and we are now running a practice. COVID is the reality of, of where we are every day. Sammy, I want to understand from you, how has COVID changed things as a practice manager? Um, and what are you anticipating for for the future, given the fact that we're nine months in? Yeah, I think what COVID has done is it makes it harder uh, because you see, harder for for you to en- keep the entire office engaged, uh, or at least to put to put your finger on the pulse, uh, because you're not you're not seeing everyone in one place. So presently, we are remote working, and so you find that you know how do you make sure that everyone is involved and busy and um, and how are they really you know and sometimes it's very difficult to tell that over um, you know a call on teams or zoom it's quite difficult you know so i think for me that has been the main challenge because like i said we're trying to build a, a culture where it's a friendly happy warm place to work so how do you achieve that when you're yeah. speaking uh, electronically and i think what one of the difficult things i found is that you know when you have um zoom meetings or teams meetings or whatever your focus is more on on the work product rather than the person themselves mm. um how do how do you make sure that you're striking the right balance between ensuring that there is productivity in the office and also um checking on your on on your people yeah i mean you know for us because the um, as a boutique firm we have you know, just the right number of people working for us. Um, so the teams are just the right size. It's highly unlikely that anyone will fall through the cracks as as would maybe happen in a much larger organization. And um, so I think it's just making sure that everyone is aware that they could reach out if they have any difficulties, you know, and, and ensuring that you distribute the work in a way that, that considers the circumstances of the different um, fianas you're working with. But I think for me... You know, given the size of, of our farm and, and the specialized nature of, our, of the work we do, uh, it's very easy, you know, just to make sure that people are 
involved to the right degree and ensuring that they know they can reach out and it's an open it's open for for them to communicate well we well we work in an open plan so it's basically very open so anyone who (laughs) is in the office can come and talk to us at any time sham i wanted to talk to you a bit about you know i think you've done a better job than i have of really getting to know the team simply because of the the kind of work that uh, you do and i do how do you make sure you know we're new to the firm how do we make sure that we connect with the team members who are just getting accustomed to these new partners who've just come into um, the practice. Right. I mean, uh, I've been, you know, technology is a big deal now. I mean, it has to be embraced at this point in time. Um, even those of us who are the least, you know, technology um, savvy people, tech savvy people, I would say, now have to, to sort of adapt. And, and I have calls even uh, in, individually with uh, team members. I'm reducing the number of emails unless, you know, they're absolutely necessary. You know, I just pick up the phone and you know get used. I think they get up the phone is very important. They, they, they sending emails. Absolutely. If it's very necessary for me to send an email, I'll send one. But if I don't have to, or if an email could be a, a phone call, I just make the call. And people get used to my voice. They get used to, you know, speaking to me, and we become more familiar with each other. And you know, we have to do that because we're not in the office um, all, all the time. So that for me has helped. And, and I mean, the team is fantastic. I've received excellent support so far. Yeah, yeah, I have to say this came out fantastic. Yeah. From a client perspective, I think it's it's been evident, especially working in, in other jurisdictions, that Kenya's internet infrastructure and really the, the ability for us to be connected to international clients and to clients, you know, even in, locally, has really helped um, in this COVID pandemic. I think we we set we are set apart, or we can be matched only in you know Europe and the in the United States in terms of our connectivity and ability to really communicate. How do we continue to demonstrate to international clients who may be afraid to come into the market that we we are uh, at par and we can provide services at, at a very high level, and you won't be you know echoing down the phone or, or um, you know, having problems with connectivity and Wi-Fi, uh, which really helps in, the, in this COVID pandemic time. Yeah, my sense is that I think what what causes perhaps um, international clients to maybe hesitate in some certain respects um, in, in providing instructions is, is the lack of maybe local knowledge. And I think it's for us to reach out and perhaps engage with them more so that we build better relationships and we can provide them an understanding of what the local landscape looks like. I think Kenya has a, a fairly solid reputation around tech and, and in terms of even our infrastructure. And therefore, like, I suppose that maybe what informs how those, you know, multinationals and other larger international law firms, I think it's just the relationships. You know, do they do they know you well enough? Are they aware of your capabilities? And so I think you just have to make sure that you've engaged them at a personal level such that they're able to to, to trust that you can provide the service that the you, service, you say yeah. you can. I think from my experience, the clients have been very impressed with our ability to really respond, you know, really in time to their queries, uh, whatever queries they've had, uh, and been able to connect quite easily with them. So that's been very helpful. I didn't want to ask any legal questions for our first podcast, but I have to ask you, Shem, in terms of uh, pr- protections and, you know, data to protection what things should clients and you know what things should law firms also be thinking about to make sure that they're protecting themselves and adhering to new legislation that has come in especially in the data protection space yeah i think it's a critical time for data protection i mean we've had the law in place um, from november last year it's exactly 
think a, a year now since it's coming. So it's been a year since the law came into place. The data commissioner has just been appointed. So we're now entering the implementation phase of the law. So essentially the law has just been in place, but there's been no enforcing um, regulator. So now all of a sudden these concerns sort of have scaled up the priority list, I think, for lots of players in the field. All entities should be pretty switched on in relation to data protection, in my view, and, and a key starting point should be data mapping. Entities should just go all out to establish what personal data do they hold, because every entity does hold personal data. You need to understand what do you hold, what are the entry points for that data, where do you store it, how do you store it, who has access to that data. All those questions need to be answered by organizations uh, that are in business, and they need to be at the forefront of their minds. I believe the, the, the need for a data protection officer will become um, more pronounced, uh, especially in larger organizations, because you just need a central person. So we'll have oversight over that, that. exactly, mm -hmm. because it may be too much for each person to handle in addition to their regular roles mm -hmm. um, if you assign it to everyone really in the organization. And that sort of decentralized approach might not assist the organization as a whole in understanding where it stands generally um, in relation to, to data protection. In the past, I've seen interest, more interest from you know, abroad rather than you know, local players, that's understandable. We usually um, wait, we usually adopt a wait and see approach here, but you know, um, entities abroad have found are more proactive in terms of risk management and, and attending to compliance. So that's to be expected, but I do see um, local entities picking up their pace in, in, in the coming days now that the data commissioner has been appointed. And I, in, in my view, I don't have a crystal ball, I keep saying, but I think the data commissioner will try to impose herself. A lot of people don't understand why data, personal data should be protected and why you need you know, another uh, state corporation and another regulator. You know? um, so she will definitely try to you know, create awareness, but I think she'll also try to pass regulations quickly mm -hmm. that will require compliance, perhaps registration. Um, the registration regulations for data controllers and processors would be a starting point. It would enable her to get you know, a sort of lay of the land and understand what the yeah. landscape is, mm -hmm. and at the same time perhaps generate some operational revenue in terms of registration fees and all that. Okay. Don't want to go as far as saying that there will be some enforcement notices, but very well may be the case. And even if that doesn't happen, Kenya is becoming increasingly litigious. So um, perhaps civil, um, you know, individuals would want to enforce their own civil rights through a civil mechanism. I, I was thinking but it's specifically, to yeah. I was thinking specifically about you know things that people should be thinking about in terms, especially in the the highlighted um, COVID pandemic situation. So for example, you know, if someone has COVID in an office. Uh, revealing the name of that person or, you know, keeping that information private or confidential. Those kind of considerations are immediate things that, you know, the data commissioner could could try and seek enforcement on because basically it's a breach of your privacy, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and it does have um, ramifications even from an employment law perspective. Employment exactly. law practitioners such as yourself would know that, you know, it's been uh, a key area of interest for employers. You know, how do we handle COVID cases within the office? How do we discharge our duty under the Occupational Safety and Health Act you know, to, to provide a safe working environment for other, other yeah. employees without having, without, you know, sort of crossing over and, and um, infringing on, on the data privacy rights of yeah. employees who are affected by COVID directly. These are, these are the delicate balance to be struck there. But, you know, familiarity and, and you know, grasping the concepts on both sides of, of, of this uh, legislative divide will be critical. And, and advice definitely will need to be sought by, by employers. Uh, lots of them are doing it already. Um, um, kudos to them. But it's something that needs to be done on a continual basis going forward. COVID is with us, I think. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here, but I think it's with us for 
quite some time to come. Um, and it will also be important, you know, for example, with the vaccine that's coming or the choice to take the vaccine or not, you know, how people react and how people's information is, is um, treated will be crucial in 2021. I want us to now look at 2021, actually, and think about what are the things that we need, we can look forward to in terms of our own legal practice and also in terms of, you know, social mobility in the COVID pandemic. So, Sammy, give us your thoughts. Yeah, 2021, I'm looking forward to continuing to be more adaptable in an increasingly unpredictable world. I think we just have to remain nimble um, and remain agile enough. I like I like those words. So, is, is nimble and agile your word for 2021? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should not, we should not adopt this. Those two words. I, yeah. like, I like those words. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think so. I think so because it's um, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Mm-hmm. You just have to be ready and being ready in terms of just getting on with it. Yeah, That's and I think we, we have gotten on with. I think everyone has gotten on with it, and I think people are just um, looking forward to you know a, a brighter twenty twenty one. I think people are exhausted. Uh, they're COVID tired out. I, I don't know if there's a word for that, and people just want to get on with it. Shem, what are your words? What can you look forward to in 2021? And this perhaps might be, um, might not be, might seem weird, a weird thing to say in, in light of the economic environment, but I, I do look forward to growth, growth and expansion. I mean, there's been a bit of shrinkage, I guess, in the past couple of months. You know, people sort of were shying away from moving forward with their commercial transactions um, because of the uncertainty that was involved. And, you know, people put their pens down on a number of deals that were going on and you know, people adopted a let's wait and see sort of approach. But, you know, I mean, at the point where we are right now, like I said before, um, it's becoming clear to everyone that COVID will be with us for a while and that we need to find a way to work around COVID and still be productive. And so I think um, a lot of work um, and a lot of um, productive ventures that had. So I think that um, some of the work that uh, had stopped and, and some of the people that are taking a wait and see approach will uh, begin to engage once again and there will be a, a rebound of, um, and hence the growth uh, you know following this uh, sort of slow period um, and, and I'm looking forward to be part of that um, that growth and expansion in, in 2021 so I think growth uh, nimble nimbleness and um, ag- uh, agility are the words for um, 2000 and 2021. Um, I want to thank you, Shem and Sammy, for being on this podcast on the first episode. Um, it'll go down in history. Um, thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next time.